0: Hey, hey, welcome in. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson, Benjamin Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover D.C. United. And uh, tonight we've got two D.C. United games to break down, recap, uh, and, and one to preview. D.C. United beat the Chicago Fire one to nothing midweek last week before falling 1-0 to Orlando City. Over the weekend, Uh, we will talk about both of those games. Later this week, we will have an episode talking to Matt Ralph of the Brotherly Game to preview DC United's upcoming visit from the Philadelphia Union. You can watch that at Audi Field, of course, uh, if you can make it down to Buzzard Point, where I will be for the first time since the pandemic began. I I'm very excited about it, but if you can't make it down, watch it Uh seven o'clock Sunday night on NBC sports, Washington and tele exitos DC United.com. If you're in the region and ESPN plus is the streaming solution. If you are outside of the region before, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that our Patreon patrons will get that earlier in the week. They will not have to wait for it. it will drop same time as this here episode. So uh, if you can't wait to get the the down low on uh the union and and uh be the smartest person in your your friend group on them patreon.com filibuster is the place to solve that particular problem before we talk about anything else though ben i have to ask you this question what are you drinking
1: i'm going with uh hardywood park craft breweries um sun crush tangerine ale uh, the Hardywood brand is known for like their really uh ABV high uh, uh uh just like punching you in the face beers. Their Sun Crush line, which doesn't have Hardywood mentioned mentioned on the can at all, is their. Uh, fruited beers. It's their uh, summer beers. They're much lower ABV. This one clocks in at 4.3. And they're just like really good session beers, really good summer beers. They're really light and fruity and delicious. And it's a, it, it's a good, easy drinking beer.
0: Speaking of summer beers, I have Flying Dogs Chesapeake Wheat, uh, American Wheat Beer, which is its definitely a wheat beer, but the hops that they have in it Are really citrusy and floral. Um, it's not like the bitterness of an IPA, but you get some of that tangerine, some of that um really floral flavor going with the wheat, and it works really, really well. It is a refreshing summery beer, and I'm really happy for it. Flying Dog, of course, also does the world's greatest summer beer, the uh Dead Rise Old Bay summer beer. But you didn't know that was a boat. I (laughs) I learned the the origin of that term this weekend and i told I, I made the mistake of telling ben and jason about it i didn't know it, it described the bottom of the shape of the bottom of a boat i did not know that that's what it referred to i thought it was some kind of diving or something else deeper under the water than the bottom you haven't,
1: you haven't lived near the chesapeake bay enough you need to move closer to the chesapeake bay
0: <laughs> i mean I, I, I spent the weekend camping on delaware bay which is not the same thing no But I crossed (laughs) the bay. I crossed Chesapeake Bay twice. So I have that going for me. Jason, what are you drinking? You who lives on top of Chesapeake Bay. I'm pretty sure you're in a dead rise boat right now.
2: Uh, I can confirm or deny uh, that claim. Um, No, I I have a uh, Paloma. So I have uh, some Olmeca Altos um, Blanco tequila with uh, some lime juice and some uh, grapefruit soda. And it is
0: pretty dang good. So we're all pretty happy with our choices tonight. That's good. That's good. None Uh, of us had a Shandy. (laughs) I have had a good Rattler, but never a good Shandy. They're very, very similar. I'm not entirely sure what the difference is, but I know that when it's called a Rattler, I have liked it more. Anyway, uh, DC United played two games. This week, they got three points from those two games. Let's, uh, let's take them chronologically, which also has the benefit of starting this episode off talking about a win. Edison Flores got his first goal in black and red, and that was enough to give United a 1-0 win over the visiting Chicago Fire. I think we have to begin our discussion of this one with the man who got the assist on that goal, Adrian Perez, who uh, got his first start as a forward for DC United. He he had played left wing back filling in on an emergency basis for an injured Joseph Moore, literally injured in training or in pre pregame warmups. Um, but this was his first start in his natural position up top. And uh, he impressed both as a, in his own right and as a key to unlocking Orejas and getting him his first goal.
2: Yeah, there was, a, there was an interesting uh, understanding there. I know Ben has more to say about, uh, Perez, I just thought, you know, one major advantage for Perez is just going to be if Flores plays the best alongside him, then you gotta he's he's probably going to get more time. Yeah, uh, my thoughts about
1: Flores is I really like his game. I think he he creates a lot. He 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 is dynamic up there. I don't know if he – I don't think he can lead the line. I don't think he is a target forward. And I don't know if he is a goal-scoring forward. And my thought is that that's what this team needs. Like going to the uh, uh, second game, going to the Orlando City game, uh, he helped create a lot, and that's great. But no one was up there helping finish off the chances because – We've got a lot of, of uh, supporters, a lot of creators, but the team right now doesn't have a finisher on the field. And so I think it's and, – and they're all injured right now, so that, that's not, not that surprising. But it's going to be – I think it's going to be uh, a key thing to see who works best with Nigel Roberta, with Ola Kamara, if Eric Sorga can uh, – uh, put on uh, his scoring boots or if they're going to need to just uh, uh, muddle along with a a team like this because none of those guys are working very well until they get to the summer window. So I like, I like a lot of what Adrian Perez does. And if he can put on the scoring boots, then I'm all for him uh, continuing to uh, play, but it's, it's trying to find all the right pieces and, and merge them together.
0: Yeah. I think he, he did a few different things that I liked over these two games. Um, a, the, the first thing that jumped out at me is he does all of the work that Sorga was doing, but also has the ability to at least appear gold dangerous and contribute to the attack, which Sorga did not do yeah. early this season. Um, Perez, he, he, I think against Orlando, he was seven or nine, seven of nine on dribbles mm-hmm. completed, which is absurd. They weren't always in the box or anything like that, but he's obviously got that indoor soccer close control thing down. Um, and and so I mean, that that definitely brings something when DC United are not able to create a bunch of space in the final third right now, um, except when they're in transition. Having him there to be able to. Dribble somebody and and find somebody else. Whether it's a a cut back chipped ball for for Flores to to head in or something else, um, it, it, it's a tool that DC United needs at least I mean, for right now. I mean, he's.
1: I feel like he'd be a great like second forward and, and like playing under an out and out uh, fox in the box and supporting them but i don't i don't know if he's
0: he, I'm, I'm not worried about his best possible use right now i think right i, I think i'm not i'm not worried about his best of DC possible united use. i think the best version of dc united probably uses him as a sub for sure. for all the reasons you laid out but right now we don't have that right now he's you know just looking at the immediate future i expect him to start against philadelphia and i won't be oh, mad about that and i think unlocking flores is a huge part of that because because of his movement um he he draws defenders to him because he can dribble one guy he draws two or three guys to him which creates space for everyone else um this is these are good things to have on the field right now and having to to like a defense having to focus not just on flores but on somebody else anybody else in the box is going to help Flores as we've seen already. And so I'm, I'm, I am i am i have been really impressed with Perez. I didn't expect much of anything from him and he's right now he's, he's got to be a starter for this team for the immediate future.
2: Right. And, and what he really has been adding is it's not so much like eye catching stuff. There have been a couple of moments where he's come up with a nice first touch to control a ball that was maybe not, looking like he was going to be able to do anything with it. I think that happened against Chicago, there was a, a nice little, um, you know, a little roar from the crowd, uh, which is nice also just to have that happening at the stadium again, both for soccer reasons and just like, it might be safe for some people to be at the stadium, uh, if you've, if you've been vaccinated. Um, so that part is pretty cool. Um, but, but I think he just, he adds a certain fluency to what DC is doing going forward that, um, you know, some of it is just a, a a more developed understanding with Flores. Some of it's that willingness to control the ball and and maybe keep it for an extra touch. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, I, I think he's kind of played himself into more minutes on and off the ball. You know, the it's not just the combination with Flores. It's just not just what you guys are saying. But when you look at you know his defensive actions, he's maybe not as fast as sorga and therefore his pressing is maybe not as uh intense he's not right all over you um as quickly but on the other hand he does seem to take up some good positions he makes it kind of hard to play out um and so it, you know overall i think it's not a mistake or it's not you know losada being nice when he said that he thought paris was the best player against chicago um and again against orlando he wasn't too bad he's he's you know he's not just starting because there's no one else to turn to right now. Uh, because I think Lozada has shown that, like, if he felt like there was no one else to turn to, he would do something else. Um, this is how Perez ended up at wingback for a game. You know, he had an injury and he had to go somewhere with it. And he said, well, "Why don't I go with this. Um, and it's not where you would have thought he was going to make his first start. Um, but that willingness to give it a shot was important. And I think, um, you know, overall – he's maybe not going to be the most spectacular player, but there's a little bit of that force multiplier thing where he's making some of the guys around him better and getting those guys to play better is more important than having an individual in that spot that is individually a better player. Um, And I think we're starting to see that a little bit with the attack is this, uh, you know, this nice understanding. Yeah. I tried to ask Perez about this after the game and he, he just didn't have it's one of those things where that kind of understanding is sort of hard to put into words. And he was like, yeah, you know, uh Eddie's, Eddie's a good player. And it's it's been real easy playing alongside of him, um, which, <laughs> you know, unfortunately means you don't get much of a quote. But like, I get it because sometimes putting those connections you can make instantaneously. How do you explain that? You, you know, it's not really it just sort of comes naturally into you. It's like, well, yeah, it was obvious what to do, you know. I looked at the other guy and he was looking one way and I was looking at the same spot and it was, it was great, you know, but that's nice for the attack. It's maybe not nice for quotes, but it's nice for the attack.
0: We'll have more on the on another force multiplier later. uh, Just a little bit later in the show. Uh, I want to talk about a bit of formation shift in this one. Uh, Hernan Losada going away from the three, four, three or three, four, two, one that we've seen so far this year and going with a three, four, one, two for the most part uh Sometimes it was a true three five two in there too, with the defensive midfielder behind two central midfielders instead of an attacking midfielder ahead of them um, but two strikers up front in in Perez and Flores, and then Drew Scundrich on his debut, mr Andy Sullivan uh coming in underneath them um, It was a different look, and i I think for the most part it it worked it was um it simplified things. Which I think is is probably helpful, and we heard Losada talk about giving uh, giving Flores a free role in that, and really almost uh, Perez and Flores both had a free role, and they just understood and made it work.
2: Yeah, and you know, part of Skundrich, part of what he's out there for is that he is extremely fit and willing to do all that extra running. Um, a lot of his job is to run very hard a lot all the time. Um, it's it's that's not to say that's all he's capable of uh, or even that this is the best place for him because he is probably more of a number eight um, at least up until this point. And he's looked like a pretty smart number eight. Um, but within this system, what, and what United needs right now, um, they weren't getting it out of Yamil Assad playing in that spot. They weren't getting it playing with Flores and Assad underneath a nine. Um, so it became pretty reasonable to start looking at what well, what else can we do? Um and so Skundrich is playing the ten, but he's playing it very much as a pressing ten. Um it's very no frills, it's very stripped down. The job is to make it so that other teams can't play between the forwards and the midfield. Uh and if you try and play in there, someone's going to be right on you trying to take the ball from you constantly. Um and he's done a good job of it. Um, you know, he is Play on the ball as a 10 is not going to be you know that's normally what we see a designated player playing in that kind of space um he is not going to be that guy passing or dribbling he's he's not going to create a ton of goals or assists in that spot but that's why flores gets that extra freedom and that's kind of again this trade-off just like with perez where it's like what can we do to get this obviously very talented player uh to play at his best and if we have to serve you know yeah i have i've mentioned this concept of a player being more of an assistant uh on the field um a few times in the past and you know if what flores needs is a couple of assistants rather than um being you know kind of the assistant to somebody else if he needs that dynamic flipped around then it's worth investigating especially at this point in the season with so many guys out injured so um yes yeah, gundrich has you know whether it's the chicago game playing that uh ten role uh, against Orlando City, it was more of a traditional old school, almost old school three-five-two with no actual 10 uh, for a chunk of the game. Um, but in both roles, he has made it really difficult for the other team to do anything where he is. So whether that's winning the ball or simply showing that he's so effective at harassing people that get on the ball that you're like, let's not go that way. Let's go somewhere else. Um, you kind of tilt the game. Uh, you took the game away from yourself. You force, you know, if, if it's Chicago, they want to play into that space to um, Jimenez. If Skundrich is so effective, they they're like, oh, you know, we can't even pass to Jimenez anymore. It's it's pointless. Um, and that influences things like you know, Chicago at halftime pulled Jimenez out of that game. Um, they they brought in Casas for him. Um, you know, these are the kind of things that DC is doing. This Orlando game. Uh, Oscar Prehouse showed up with a plan in his back pocket to shift to a back five if they had a lead because of DC's press. And so, while one nothing over Chicago, and it, it, you know, let's not pretend that this game was in the bag because, like, it was a little nervy at times. It was not as confident as you would like against a, a team that Chicago was bad. You know, we had Ruben Tisch on here and he was like, Chicago sucks. It's going to be bad. And they were pretty bad. And DC still almost gave them something.
0: Um, yeah, they hit the post, a co- or they hit the woodwork anyway, a couple of times yeah. over the and, course and, of this game.
2: And made, you know, John Kempen had some, some moments where he had a little worry. His positioning, I think there was at least one save where he stopped the ball without knowing that the shot was coming. He just, his positioning helped him out more than him making the reflex save or seeing the ball. Um, but yeah, um, you know, the fact that DC is able to make Chicago make, you know, Jimenez is arguably their most fundamental player. And for them to, to just pull him out of the game and be like, this isn't working. We're going to do something else. Um And then the next game for Orlando to say, like, if we get a lead and they bring Gressel in, we are switching our tactics entirely. Um, Our formation, our whole approach to the game, we're changing it. It, it says something to the progress that DC is making right now. It's not necessarily a, a lot of fun because you would expect a team playing that well to then have two home wins. And maybe one of them is kind of a blowout over Chicago. Um but at least they're progressing in that direction where they are kind of forcing the terms onto other teams rather than, you know, it being kind of like, well, I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, there's a, there's an intent to these things. And so a choice like Skundrich might not seem to make sense on paper. You might say, well, look, Assad's, uh, you know, played at such a high level MLS Skundrich. this would be his second MLS appearance ever or his first MLS. I'm sorry, his first. Cause that was the yep. game, you know, he, he hours signed after he's, a yeah. day earlier. Right. Um but it served the tactical purpose. Um it, it served the entire the broader picture was was well served. And if Assad wants to get back out there, he's going to have to do the stuff that Skundrich is doing. He has to match him at that and then bring the stuff that he can do better than Skundrich uh to bear. But right now he's not doing it, so it's kind of hard to argue.
0: Somebody else I've thought about as, as a potential pressing 10, like uh when I was trying to figure out what kind of system Losada would play for DC United before we had any actual games to talk about, even preseason games to talk about was Paul Ariola, who at the time was on loan with Swansea and then got hurt. He actually got some time playing that 10 spot uh, a little bit against Orlando. I think it was uh, this week, but he made his return against Chicago and uh, it's great to have him back. He's played (laughs) at least two or three different spots just in, uh, a very short time The the two games he's been back he appeared as a sub against Chicago and then started at wing back against Orlando but uh it, it's great to have Paul back that's just I, I don't really have any comments on his game uh or his performance in these two games but knowing he's back he's he's fit enough to start and go an hour uh already is is a very good sign for this team because wherever he is on the field, he is a force multiplier as I'm referenced earlier. Uh, He makes players around him better with his movement off the ball, his work rate um, and his ability. And I I think he's obviously going to be a very important part of this team going forward and will hopefully help the attack, which we'll talk about later needs some help.
1: I mean, uh, we've talked about it before we and we'll continue to talk about it. Um, Yeah, I think, obviously Paul is a great player and I think he would be assisted again by a Nigel Roberta or a Ola Kamara or a summer signing who is a solid goal scorer. Like, it's like the um, Orlando goal was based off of some good runs, which DC United does good runs, but then it was also based on some just like good in the box play and DC United hasn't had as much of that so uh getting people better at their feet in the in the box might make more of those opportunities possible and so uh i think Paul Ariola is going to be he's obviously a great player going to be a great addition to this team going to make them better and I think there's still a key a key
2: that needs to be unlocked for this team to start scoring more goals than they currently are.
0: One more name to talk about in this Chicago game before we, we I think, throw it to commercial and then move on to the Orlando game, and that's Moses Nyman, who uh, continues to impress and I think improve his play over the course of this year. Um, he, he made a great... Uh, attacking pass that set up a shot on goal for Flores Um, that was saved by uh, Chicago's keeper and he's just he he wasn't perfect but he was really active and he he, you know his his pressing his repressing is what created the goal against Chicago Um, Andy Nahar got the ball up high uh, at, at left wing back which is a name we haven't talked about. Um, But Andy Nahar got a start and went the better part of 90 minutes, which was pretty cool. Uh, His pass to Nyman was well off the mark. It was not a good pass, but Nyman immediately jumped in, bodied the defender off the ball, put Perez in behind, and then one chip uh, cut back and one header later, uh, DC United were ahead one to nothing and, and they never looked back. And that was just, it was great to see that part of his game. And then he just, he keeps showing that he belongs, and I'm not sure you, at this point, can take him out of the lineup on, on a full-time basis.
2: I, I mean, it's definitely an open competition right now. Um, I think we can all say that maybe Knaus uh, fits into one of those spots because he's kind of a perfect fit for the way Losada wants to play. Um, and, and I want to give credit to Junior Moreno for his performances in these two games where it was a better he was improved. Yeah. Um and he needs to. He he needed to and he can also. It's not one of these like well he's kind of at a ceiling. I don't know where he's going to go. Um he's been kind of a little lo- below what he should be able to do for quite a while and so this step up was important for him. Um Felipe also makes a lot of sense for the way Losada wants to play. Um Skundrich obviously is getting his moments uh and it makes me wonder if you know Losada might say, you know, Felipe could also play once he's 90 minutes fit. Maybe he could play a similar role to what Skundrich is doing, uh, as a pressing 10. But the point is that there, there are now, there's serious competition and Naaman, even amid that serious competition is giving plenty of reason to just stay out there regardless of who else gets, gets the other spot. Um, the fact that he adds that, that connectivity, I think Losada has said connectivity in each of the last two press conferences. So, you know, he's thinking about it. Um, it's a major part of playing the kind of way they want to play, the quickness they want to play with, because you have to be able to play inside and have that player move the ball along one or two touches. Um, That tempo, if you go go to a central midfielder and they need that third touch or they need to turn backwards, it slows everything down and the whole system kind of bogs down at that point. Um, And that takes a lot of vision and technical ability and that's what, what Nyaman brings to the table. Um, I also, since you mentioned Nahar, I just want to throw in that he was really effective in that wingback role um, against Chicago. He had, uh, I think it's five successful dribbles and one five uh, free kicks Well, he was fouled five times. Um, so that's, that's making a big difference in the game. Um, even though he might not have a goal or an assist, he made a real tangible impact as well. So now we've got Um, as we'll talk about with the Chicago game. Now there's more competition at that position. And so we're getting something that, um, whether it's Nyman, whether it's the left wing back, as the team's getting healthier, we're actually starting to see what this team is maybe going to be capable of once everyone's healthy and we're not talking about, uh, you know, a Thursday to Sunday with, you know, half the players are like, oh, he can only play 30 minutes or he can play a half, but that's it um as they get closer to actually being legitimately healthy uh, it bodes pretty well that they've got a variety of options and a variety of ways to approach games and i'm starting to wonder whether losada's going to be that kind of coach who's like this specific game calls for this player whereas this next game calls for this other player who is slightly different
0: um you know you mentioned ariola and it, it's going to be wild to have a debate over who should be starting in any particular game and not just, well, these are the 11 bodies we have.
1: Adam, don't, don't this jinx
0: this. Don't okay, jinx wood. it. I'm not Kingwood. Now,
1: now there's going to be 15
2: more players who'd get injured because you just said that.
0: This is my fault. I accept responsibility and, and I apologize and it also, in advance.
2: It, it also gets into how players will be used. You mentioned Areola against Chicago or against Orlando. He ended up as a wingback. We've been talking about him maybe playing further forward. Uh, Kevin Paredes, started the game in a further forward role and then became a wing back as they pursued the goal. Um and those are both those are two guys that can both play both of those really, really well. Um so it might make it harder for us to predict the starting lineup kind of across the table here, but it's much better to be like, oh, you know, that this might be a good game for Moro rather than Nahar, or this might be a good game for Paredes to play in part of the front three rather than as a wing back. It gives so many more options and so many more different, you know, I've talked about having a different set of forwards. You you don't want redundant forwards. Now we're talking about kind of throughout the squad, that same idea where we don't have a bunch of redundant players, but we all have players that are good enough to fit into the system and be effective. So it's starting to look better, even though we're talking about, again, not a great win. And then a, a loss that was admirable, but also is still a home loss.
0: And we'll have more on that loss in just a minute. Stick around. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Apparently, uh or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right?
1: Yeah, you called the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights.
0: That's right. And your rights matter and you deserve to be free from harassment and you deserve to work. The Ehrlich law office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to, to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or, or, something to, to that effect. If you, uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich law office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you go to Ehrlich dot slash filibuster or, or something to, to that effect. If you, uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich law office, uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster. Uh, we're just going to keep on rolling. Unfortunately, Los Capitolinos couldn't make it a winning streak and keep on rolling themselves after the victory over Chicago. They fell one nothing to Oscar Pareja's Orlando City on an early Mauricio Pereira goal, uh, it, it, it took more than a little bit of time-wasting and housery uh, for Orlando to see it out, but they made it stick uh, with the one nothing win on the road for them. Uh, Jason mentioned it earlier, but uh, Oscar Pereja, I, I think, gave some implicit respect to uh, Hernan Losada and DC United by having that kind of uh, bespoke tactical choice uh, planned out for this one, knowing that with United's press and, and their wingback system that uh, he, he wanted to have a five back in ready to go when, um, if they got the lead and and Julian Gressel came in, he, Orlando also had the advantage of not being on short rest while DC United was. So Pareja correctly assumed there would be some level of rotation there, but um He really did park a bus that was just designed specifically for this D.C. United, which that is a that is a level of respect that we haven't always seen uh, recently and that you wouldn't expect from a team that is currently 25th out of 27 teams in the MLS soccer dot com power rankings.
2: Are we actually going to talk about the power rankings? That's as far as
0: we're going. That's the only mention.
2: Pro tip for our listeners, don't worry about the power rankings. And don't yell at Sam Jones. Uh, he has to write
0: the <laughs> blurbs. He doesn't even get to vote. Uh, it's not his fault. Don't yell at Counterpoint, Sam. Counterpoint, always yell at Sam Jones. Yeah. No, or,
2: no, no. It no.
0: If, if you want to be absurd.
1: Adam's be, Adams being ironic or whatever. And yeah.
0: this is a podcast of I love. Sam Sam has been on our show. We love Sam. Yeah.
2: Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it is kind of... it it does portend down the road that DC is going to have to figure this out because we've seen in MLS. Um, this has been the first thing that teams, if, they, if there's a high press that the other team says, Hey, that high press is good enough. That will actually, it will actually disrupt what we want to do. This has been the, the go-to alternate plan B, whether this is uh, teams dealing with the New York Red Bulls under Jesse Marsh in the playoffs and Marsh, as much as everyone loves Jesse Marsh right now, He never figured that out. They never solved that problem. Um, And this is kind of where this might go for DC. We might see teams showing up and doing this from kickoff uh, in the future. If they say, you know, if DC gets better and becomes more dangerous going forward, you might see teams coming in and being like, we're just trying to get out of here with zero We're not interested in having a soccer game today. Um, Which is, it's wild to be on the other side of that coin because DC
0: was often that team um, doing that. I just heard... I don't know if I want to get into the post-game press conference comments that much, no, but I, so I, I will to contrast them with Peter Vermees, who would... He's not a part of this! That, no, when teams did exactly what Jason's talking about to the Sporks, Vermees would always complain that they didn't want to come here and play soccer. They like he would He would try to shame them into next time coming out and playing, and it like, was always annoying. Bit. And that's not what Losada did at all. Losada's like, hey, it was, it's, it's a legitimate choice they made, and it worked, and congratulations to them. They, they, their difference makers came through in the big moment, and we, we weren't able to solve them. But that's not how I want to play here. That's not how I want to do things. And I, I, I think it was an interesting comment, and I think that there's a lot of nuance that's been lost in the, the wider coverage of that press conference. But I, I thought it was interesting, and Jason's the way Jason framed that reminded me of of that difference that is another reason why i like Hernan Lasada because he he has nuance
2: yeah and you know he it's not and to speak of the nuance like it's not like he approached this problem and said okay just keep doing what we're doing um he did try and change things throughout this game you know bringing Gressel in um dropping Skundrich uh back um I, I believe i've actually misplaced my notebook so i can't do it right now um, but yeah, the, the Gressel sub changed the team because it was Gressel for Naiman. Um, so you had a different look all of a sudden um, where Ariola became that, that pressing 10 and, and Skundrich moved back to partner Junior Moreno. Um, that's a big shift that changes the, the dynamic of things. And that's why um, Robin Jansen was brought in. That's why they switched to that five in the back it was it was a, specific Julian Gressel related. I even went, I contacted Orlando City. I wanted to make sure I heard exactly what Preha was saying. And he said specifically, we knew they would bring Gressel in. And when they did that, we wanted to have a third center back in the game because we knew that they would start looking uh, for Gressel's crossing ability. The thing is, uh, DC, I think Adam, you alluded to this. It's not like they hit 75 crosses. This isn't one of those. They hit 29, which is a lot um but this was not like let's just put it to julian and he's gonna fire crosses in and that's gonna be the whole thing um they were trying to figure this out in a different way um and losada even said like we don't really have a guy to go win those battles so hoofing the ball into the box uh for a target man is not really it's not really a good idea um so they didn't do that they went about the game through the press and through movement they brought uh, they made the triple sub, which was an interesting choice to mostly to add energy. Um, you know, you had some guys like Perez and Moreno that played uh, against Chicago that went um, almost 90 in Perez's case. And then nine, uh, Moreno did go 90. Um, so you freshen up through them um, bringing Paredes in. Ariel obviously had to, you know, he, they didn't want to push him any for, any further because of his recovery from injury. Um, but bringing Paredes in changed the dynamic some as well. Um, Paredes then went from that front three to in in as a wing back. They were trying different things to try and set things up, so they were getting isolation on the wings rather than it just being let's hoof the ball into the box for Edison Flores to try and beat Antonio Carlos in the air, which is a bad idea. Um, so they said, let's not do the bad idea. Let's do something smart. Um, <laughs> and and while they didn't uh you know dc did not create a ton of very big chances in this game they they didn't have you know 25 shots or anything uh but some of that you have to say orlando defended really well um i don't like it but they really were extremely organized they came up with every time their organization broke down someone came up with a blocked shot i think they had five blocked shots and all of them or almost all of them were really really good blocks they weren't like you just happened to be standing there. This was like someone turning full sprint and like to the edges of their athleticism, diving in to make a
0: block. Um, or in, in one case, changing directions. Um, yeah. Edison Flores dribbling into the box and back it to Paul Areola, who takes one very quick touch to get it onto his right foot and then shoots. And that was just enough time for defender to, who was chasing Flores yeah. to stop changes direction and lunge into the path of the shot. Um, Frustrating for sure, um, oh, yeah. for Ariola not to to finish that. But uh, credit where it's due to the defender on that play. Uh, I I think it shows that DC United has some work to do. Just you have to be able to break down a bunker. It's a sign of respect that teams are going to bunker against you, um, but you have got to be able to to overcome that. That I don't respect. know if it's as much
1: respect, or if it's just that like Oscar Pereja is just a great game manager
0: he is that uh he's definitely that but to to pre-plan to have a a a to throw your regular system out for half the game uh so that you can get a point or so that you can make a one goal lead stand up that 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 shows some level of respect he's actually he's not just you don't do that against the chicago fire because they don't have anything that effective um i think it's a sign that that it's a signal anyway that that dc united has something here that they are building something and that's good partly i i think that's good partly because it jives with what i've been saying for a few weeks now but also it is a it is <laughs> good, is good because it teams,
1: informs my narrative <laughs> yeah, it, it,
0: it you know it makes me look smarter than i probably am but uh for DC United to actually get respect, they have to be able to break that down. They have to say, all right, you're going to give us the ball. We're going to do something with it. And we're going to score three goals on you uh, lead or no lead. And they, they're not able to do that yet. They're not able to really generate the chances to do that yet. Both, both teams in this one had less than one expected goal. Um, DC United had about 0.7 and Orlando had a lot less than that, (laughs) but DC United has not, been generating high quality chances yet i think there's signs there that they are improving that they're they're figuring out how to generate more chances they're just not quite doing it yet and i think as players come back as they they get the system down and everything we'll we'll start to see that both off of turnovers and hopefully in in possession but it it is a, a place where dc united has a lot of room to grow and they have a lot of work to do on that front yeah, I
2: mean, you mentioned the Flores backheel. He's kind of all of a sudden fallen uh, deeply in love with the backheel. So many
0: backheels. Um,
2: uh, it's like it's like four <laughs> or five backheels a game right now. Which, as much as uh, I think two or three of them did not work, but the one against the one with Ariola obviously did. But the point is that when Flores wasn't confident in twenty twenty, when thing when times were tough for him on and off the field, we were not seeing a lot of backheels. Uh, that's the kind of thing you do when you're having some fun. Um, so now the fact that we're seeing every backheel uh, that can possibly be had, like, I think Flores might have more backheels than the entire rest of the league in the last uh, three or
0: four days. Well, it's um, rubbing off on the rest of the team, too, because there have been a couple other players you wouldn't expect a backheel right. from who've, who've pulled one out. Right.
2: So so one, we're getting a plague of backheels or maybe, maybe a, a, a harvest of backheels. I don't know how a to look at it crop. at this point. Yeah. Um, but, but in, in general, it does, it does point to, they're getting closer. You know, that Areola chance almost works. If it's not for this great block, um, that's a goal. Most likely. I I don't, I don't think ISA does anything about that one. It it was a good shot. He struck it well. Um, so they are getting closer, but you would like to see, you you don't, you don't want to be talking about, oh, if only they hadn't blocked that one. Um, you got to have three or four of those. So that at some point. No matter how well the team is defending against you, you still get your breakthrough at some point. Um, And there will be – most teams can't organize like Orlando did. Um, Most of the teams DC is going to play won't be able to defend for that long of a time uh, in that level of organization. But uh, it does kind of – it presents a new challenge to DC, which is that this is something you're going to see, you know, Other teams are going to say, like, hey, you know, Orlando did this, and they got out of there, so we need to think about this. And some of them might show up and just do exactly that. I don't think Philadelphia is going to do that uh, this weekend. I don't think they really have any interest in sitting back. This game could be – it's another game that could get crazy, but um, we are going to see this approach. We're going to see back fives at Audi Field on the other side, in part because of this game. And it does now set DC up with a kind of a very well-defined – you are going to have to solve this if you're going to win games at home uh, to the numbers that Losada has talked about wanting to. He wants to win every home game, like every coach, but like it's a point of emphasis. And you're not going to do that if five or six teams can come to town and bunker and get out of there with something.
0: I just want to shout out Kevin Paredes. His name's came up a couple of times. He's back from injury um, and is. Uh, was was exciting in this game. He was fun to watch. He should have had a penalty called uh, late in the game that could have tied it. But uh, I, I think Charlie Bowman was who said that another DC United player referred to his getting up and playing through it as the, the honesty of youth. Mm-hmm. Um, he then appealed for a handball that was not a handball. I, I hate right. to say it, but the, the ref well, got that part of the call, right? Yeah. I still think he got kicked and pushed. Uh, and a penalty should have been called, but not for a handball. <laughs> um, but Paredes was really lively. He was dribbling guys. You see why Paredes, or why why Losada wants to get him in those isolation sit one-on-one situations because the the kid can create stuff, even in his first appearance of the year. Yeah,
1: yeah and I think it's ahead, I think it's a a. Uh... It's great for all of D.C. United's youth players because, I mean, I feel like uh, Moses Nyman also had a good game. Uh, Kevin Paredes has had a good game. And, like, hopefully once Griffin Yao gets healthy, he's going to have good games as well. Um, It's The youth movement is starting to move more fully into D.C. United, and that's only a good thing.
0: Yeah, uh, speaking of the youth movement, uh, Griffin Yao was on the bench against Orlando, didn't get into the game, so hopefully he gets on the field real soon. Uh, Mike DeShields and Homegrown and Jordan Green both uh, loaned Jacob to Loudon Green. United, or Jacob Green, I will get first names down. First names are weird, I'm really really bad at first names for some reason. Uh, Jacob Green okay, and, and Mike DeShields uh, both loaned to, to Loudon United uh, this week uh, on a short term basis. So hopefully they get on the field there at Segra field or wherever they happen to be playing this week. I actually am not sure. Um, but yeah, you know, good, good things happening up and down the roster for DC United and hopefully they can keep that going this weekend. That does it for this episode of filibuster check back later in the week. Or if you're a Patreon subscriber, go check Patreon right now. Um, for uh, a second episode, which will be a discussion with Matt Ralph of the brotherly game to help us preview the uh, visit from Philadelphia. Um, Find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU at black and red you plus all our personal accounts, uh, which I think you can find from the filibuster fate Twitter account. Find us at black and Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, especially if you're a potential advertiser. We love to hear from listeners. We we really love to hear from advertisers. Uh download, subscribe, rate review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, uh this Sunday at the game, tell a friend you're with about the podcast. That's about the nicest thing you can do for us. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I'm not on a boat. I-